Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio. I'm the Gypsy Poet, and alongside for the ride in the co-host seat is none other than my friend and mentor and the amazing actor, Kate Pitts, from The Walking Dead. This evening, we are featuring an individual who's in touch with something that very few of us dare to tap into. She's not only a contributor to the program After Our Cinema, but she is also a paranormal researcher and investigator. Please welcome the strange, unusual, the mesmerizing, and the beautiful Dawn Diverger. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. How are you? Hi. Hi. That was an interesting voice effect I just heard. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually typical on GPR because um, I, I, I love giving intros, legendary intros to my guests because I, I think everyone has something substantial to offer in the world. And based on what I've seen in and uh, in, in researching you, you have a lot to contribute, and you leave an, a serious impact with all the things that you do and you have done. So that is Thank you. my gift. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are welcome. All righty. So let's get down to the questions here. Where are you from originally? I was born in Hungary. In 1969, <laughs> mm-hmm. the Tokaj region. Mm. What a wow. beautiful Yes, that's intriguing. Um, I definitely want to I, go what, there one day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good wine. Definitely good wine. Beautiful countryside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Don, uh, I think the viewers and listeners would like to know, what made you gravitate to the paranormal and supernatural? Uh, well, it kind of came naturally from the fact that I was raised with it. Everywhere I looked, it was happening. It was normal as a child in Hungary. Came to America, and it kind of just kept finding me. And parts of my family were like, nope, nope, nothing to see here, nothing happening. Other parts were like, well, you see, this is what's going on, and you're actually seeing it, you're not crazy, but there's an explanation. So I kind of ended up raised with it naturally, and I, I sought out more scientific explanations than what was generally given to me by my family. Okay, that's fascinating. Very much so. Um, if you don't mind me asking, would you uh, like to provide an example of that? Okay. Uh, as a kid, I was always seeing and hearing things, and... Mm-hmm. I just took it for granted it was normal until I started talking to my family about it. and Then I would get little histories like, oh, well, you see, this is what happened back about 50 years ago in this area. It's like, oh, okay, so the person I saw is not alive. Got it. And it just it kept going from there. Uh, a sheet would move on my bed. 
uh, I would get a warning when something bad was hap- about to happen in the house when uh, growing up at one point. It, it just, I had to start paying attention. Mm. Very interesting. Um, yeah. Later on in Later on in life, you you began to host some programs that pertain to scary films and or the paranormal. What's the best thing about doing that? I think the best thing about doing that is uh, spreading information, actually being able to answer questions, uh, helping further other people's understanding of things. Mm. So it takes the edge off. (laughs) I can see that. I like that. That's definitely... That's definitely a good inspiration. Um, and speaking of inspiration, who is your your personal motivation behind the search for the unknown outside of your family, if there's a who? Uh, well, when I first started learning that other people were noticing these different things, uh, one of the first things I did was read about Charles Berlitz. Uh he he did think, wrote books about the Bermuda Triangle, things like that. And that was one of my first forays. And then I started finding more uh, explanations in the actual metaphysical as I started to research subjects like Alistair Crowley's books and practicing. And that gave me another direction to look at, energy manipulation and everything. So now I had that in my head. And uh, then I was talking to my grandfather when he was teaching at King's College and uh, sure enough, there were courses on it, and I, I found out that I could get real scientific information. The Paranormal Society of America put out some great publications, and uh, I just started reading everything I could get my hands on. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't have a more precise yeah. answer. It's just I put so much in my head at one point that I had to just – learn yeah that's understandable completely so what do you love best about embracing such a dark natured element Mm. the freedom the mental freedom not feeling locked in a dogma Mm. so I'm, I'm free to look at things from multiple perspectives I'm not trapped in only one way of seeing something oh and that's very liberating. Yes. Yes. You it takes away the fear. Yes, exactly. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Well, uh, how exactly did you we, – we understand that growing up in, in Hungary, you said it, you were around it and you were exposed to it. But was there something specific that, um, that happened initially the first time you came across the, the supernatural or the paranormal? Or was it just multiple memories? It's a lot of memories. Unfortunately, my really earliest years aren't super clear. I was seven Uh when I left. Uh, But there were woods all around that area. Wine, uh, it's a wine country. So there's a lot of the the vintners, the vines, the storage units. There's a lot of dark corners, things like that. A lot of history in that area. And uh, to be blunt, scientifically speaking, a lot of moving water, volcanic activity, etc. So it's very conductive. So it holds residual imprints and energies very easily. So I was always seeing little glimpses, little things out of the corner of my eye, getting a feeling. 
like I was being watched or a feeling of being touched, and to me it was normal. So there's a lot of a lot of various layered memories in that. But when I went back when I was 14 for a year, I, I was more aware of it. I was more, as I was older, and then it was more definite seeing things, more solid things, mm. feeling more solid things, if that makes any sense. Uh, nothing bad happened, but some of it was a little frightening. <laughs> okay, yeah. interesting. I bet. Yes, very this is amazing. And I'm, it wasn't just thrilled. humans. That was the interesting thing. In, in Hungary, I saw more animal spirits than I do in America. And I'm very mm. glad I can't hear them. I don't have that skill. I can see them, but I can't hear them. So it was it was interesting that I had to sit there and do a double take of, did I just see a wolf? Okay, that's a real one. Time to go inside. Okay, now, now the edges are blurry. That's not real. <laughs> so. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, wow is right. Um, your grandfather, um, um, you, you mentioned earlier that he was uh, the individual who got you into this. Was he your maternal grandfather or your paternal grandfather? Actually, both of the grandfathers were very honest about it. Uh, mm-hmm. My Hungarian grandfather had explanations if, that were more metaphysical. Of, well, when a, tra- a spirit is trapped, etc., well, if somebody was practicing this, their energy, you know, he he would explain it metaphysically. The other grandfather was the one who would fall back on, well, the fact of the matter is there's these things called electromagnetic pulses, you see, and the crystalline structure will retain the energy signature, and he would go in the scientific side of it. So Gosh. I was getting it from both sides just very differently explained. <laughs> yes, I Ironically, see that. both grandmothers were the ones that went, yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So, um, yeah, I, I think just another specific question again for you. I've got lots of these uh, these difficult questions I'm grilling you with. But if okay. you could share with us, what is the scariest experience that you've had in the paranormal? Or what is the scariest okay. experience you're most comfortable sharing? Okay, it's a tie between two. Uh, Ironically, both happened in Gulfport, Mississippi, of all places. I've I've been all over the world, and Gulfport, Mississippi got me. Uh, There was a place called, I have to say the scariest was, there was a place called White Star, and it's on the edge of Gulfport. It's actually in the county, in Harrison County. It's got one of those histories that just lends to a horror movie plot. There was a family, they they were practitioners of the dark arts, literally, Back before mm-hmm. um, Mississippi was part of America, I mean it was still a colony of the I think it was French colony at the time. Uh, and this family was notorious. They had a huge piece of land, and uh, they kept producing these I guess you'd call them bad seeds. At the time this happened, the only remaining member of the family who actually had inherited a much smaller plot of, of the land, the core of the land, and White Star is still out there. Um, was in jail for life for multiple homicides. Never did find out more details. When I was a teenager, it was a big thing to, ooh, let's go go to the White Star house because it was this piece of property. And everyone said there were ghost cows. I was like, yeah, whatever. And I was poo-pooing it because I'm like, I've heard this before. And usually when there's something, it's not what people are building it up to be. You know, something knocking something off a shelf is, it was flung at my head. And that's generally what happens. And unfortunately, that discredits a lot of real events. So I was thinking my friends were 
trying to get me. Went out there. They were not making it up. There was a house. It was a gorgeous house. Unfortunately, it's burned down since then, which is horrible. But it was so old, it had one of the central fireplaces that went up and down through the core. The living room wasn't a living room. It was actually a bedroom living room. It was the old wood-burning stove. And the house itself that I went into was literally built around 1790. The fact that it was around it all was amazing. And it had a seriously creepy vibe, and I was seeing things that were not normal, not your normal spirits or anything like that. I was seeing, uh, I wouldn't say the blood from the walls or anything like that, but like I opened one closet and it looked like there was black slime. I wasn't sure what it was. I closed the door, I opened it again to tell my friend, what the heck is this? And it was gone. I was like, okay, I'm losing it. It's environmental. And then everyone said, just don't go near the barn. I made a mistake. I headed toward the barn. I'm like, I'm not going to get stopped. I marched my happy ass that way. I never made it to the barn. I got hit with a wall of raw emotion, just straight up a wall of terror. And that is the only time in my life that I backpedaled. I didn't even get back in the car to go home. I walked. (laughs) I left. I'm like, nope. Time to go. This is real. This is not a ghost. This is not, I wouldn't even define it as a demon. This is a wall of, I don't know if it's residual energy or what, but whatever happened at that barn, it didn't want to be found out. Whatever it was, it was just, it was not a passable barrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds terrifying. So, uh, it was, it was really scary, mainly because it didn't, it didn't have definition. It's one thing if you see an apparition or you see something move or there's a way of physically with one of your normal senses grasping at it or rationalizing it, but there was no rationality to it. I think that's what made it so frightening was there was, it was amorphic. Right. Wow. The unknown aspect. And that place, uh, cops still patrol around the outskirts of it. They don't go onto it. The buildings have been burnt down by some people, um, but nobody goes in. And the reason the cops patrol the outside is because people have vanished in that area. The people have just disappeared. So they just keep a patrol in that area at all times. That's uh, Harrison County Sheriff's Department. Wow. That's mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. Yes. Um, Yeah, we got some fun stuff down here in the South. <laughs> that I know. Texas has plenty of them as well. I'll, but I will get to that after the show. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, what was if, if you can describe the moment that you wanted to research these the, uh, these moments? Um, that's that's the question I have in mind here. It's like, what made you want to research it? When when you, when you discovered that there is something that there is that something out there, what um, what was there a what sparked the drive to want to research it? That's what I want to get to. Well, like I said, part of my family was willing to talk about, it, part denied it, but the fact that I was getting such diverse information. You know, one grandfather was telling me, well, if you meditate this way, et cetera, and the other one was saying, well, the scientific explanation. So I started researching both directions because I was trying to understand more than the snippets I was going to get at the dinner table or more than the short conversations 
I was getting because I had a night terror or, you know, I thought I saw something and I was asking questions. So I, I decided I was going to sit down and learn because that was the suggestion yeah. that was given to me. It's just if you want to know more, learn. If you don't want to know more, ignore it. Try to forget ah. that you can see these things. And I said, well, I want to learn more. And that was literally the question that was asked me by my great-grandmother, actually, was the one that asked me that one. She said, you've just got to, you've got to make a decision, but once you learn it, you can't unlearn it. So you have to be committed to that decision if you're going to do it. And I said, hand yeah. me the books. <laughs> so, wow. And one of the first things I also learned was, you know, because one of my the scientific-minded grandfather was also a historian. So uh, that's what he taught was biblical history, out of all things, biblical archaeology and history. Uh, he flat out said, peer review. People can write anything. Anything can be published. Check your sources, etc." And sure enough, there's, there's a lot of hoke out there, but there's a lot of real stuff. And so I try to always promote the real, researched, intelligent, well-written information just to make sure that people don't get the wrong information. And there's a lot more of it out there than there is the real stuff, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It can be very confusing yeah. to people who are seeking the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot of information for sure, without a doubt. And uh, we're going to transition into talking about your involvement in the entertainment and film industry in just a second. But I want to ask one more question about the paranormal. Uh, From your research, have you deduced that there's a physics element to the paranormal? And if so, how is physics involved? Absolutely. I would say there's a physics element because if you think about it, we we take uh, pharmacy for granted, right? Pharmacology, the, the making of drugs and vitamins and things that will help people. We just take it for granted. But its origins were alchemy. So if you think about it in that stint, then the paranormal, every day we're getting more and more equipment that can detect more and more information, more and more frequencies, etc. And the fact that they can detect, there is more accurate detection of the paranormal, in my opinion, kind of proves that there is elements that are physics, that are chemistry, especially electromagnetism, paleomagnetics, even dendrology has, asked, has interfaces with the paranormal because it's only paranormal until you find a way to measure the phenomenon. Yes. Okay. Amen. Wow. Yes, there was a reason I put that question there, Pete. Yes, because I thoroughly <laughs> researched that myself. And you have to remember, the character that I created in the screenplay that I'm writing, she is a physicist. Ooh, exactly. Oh, can't wait for the world to find out about that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what? Um, let's get into after our cinema. This is a beautiful event of a show. I have to say that. What do you love about it? I I love that. Rather, than, it's it's a different take on the horror host than you usually see. Uh, what Lee is doing is he's going into the history of the episodes. He's he's not just saying, uh, yo, this is scary, watch it. He's saying, okay, let's look at why the producer did it this way. Let's look at what was going on on the set. How about that special effects department? So he's, show, he's talking about all the various aspects of a film. He's, he's fleshing out the bones. You have the film, and then you have the inspiration behind the film, the various factors that went into it, the writers, the production, even the type of film that was used. 
because that creates a different feel. So it's more of a pop culture historian perspective, Mm -hmm. which is more embodying of the entertainment industry itself rather than just one aspect of it. Okay, cool. Well, can you tell us a little bit about Ghost Legends and what you love about doing this show? Well, uh, for the short time that we were filming Ghost Legends, unfortunately it is no longer being filmed uh, for various reasons. But what I liked about it was rather than it just being the standard issue ghost hunting show, it was we were ghost hunting with real equipment, etc., looking at actual factors like where's the power line, stuff like that, what's causing interference. But we were also going into the history. And so just trying to find Marie Laveau's ghost, we were looking at her history, finding the the places where she was. I learned more about Marie Laveau doing that show than I ever thought I would. I ended up writing a lengthy article about her. She's uh, She was quite a fascinating person. But it was that's what I loved about it was we were – looking at the history of it as well as the paranormal and combining the two factors. Unfortunately, that show is no longer going to be filmed. Uh, the society still around. We are taking a break for COVID because it's hard to do proper investigations with the precautions sometimes, but um, we're hoping to start doing more and more investigations and posting the information and starting a YouTube channel for it for the Supernatural okay. Research Society. But, um, so, it's, yeah, it, it survived that the show, unfortunately, did not. Mm. Well, we'll have I, to I stay would... tuned for your YouTube show. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Gene Hamill is filming other stuff right now. He's gone back to his passion of, uh, he's making a uh, TV show size bites for his Twisted Carnival series. So he's gone back to his, his passion. <laughs> Cool. Um, okay, you get cool. to have you get to contribute to the show in its way as well. It's called quality control. What does that mean for for the work you do in, in uh, after hours cinema? Okay, uh, well, Lee has a lot of a lot. Of, well, he has several people that help him, but he does a lot of the research himself. Uh, one of the things I do is I'll look over the script that he's written out and you know, catch little things, uh, make sure that the presenta- the way he's presenting the information flows nicely. You know, the same thing you would do for editing a book. The, the content can be great, but maybe changing this word or adding a period here or swapping these two paragraphs, that sort of thing. I don't help out as much as I'd like to with that show. It's a great show, and I want to do anything and everything I can to help. Um, I sit on the set and make sure that his shirt isn't bunched up and his nose isn't shiny, things like that. I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm the, I'm the little nitpicky person. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's awesome. People, people like you make the, uh, the final product really worth watching. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. So we need that. <laughs> well, let's talk about another project, Don, uh, War Dogs, The Bridge. Can you tell us a little bit about this project? Uh, yeah, that was fun. It was my first time doing voice for an anime. It's a very short, computer-generated anime, but he did a really good job on it. Okay. Um, not a whole lot of history on that. I was He met me at a convention in Memphis, Tennessee. No, that's right. We were in Little Rock, Arkansas. He met me in Little Rock, Arkansas, 
And he heard me talking and came over and said, could you say this line? So I said the line, and he said, could you, could you say it like you're concerned? Yeah. He goes, would you mind doing that in a microphone? I'm like, I'm seeing a progression here. Uh, <laughs> so uh, he talked to me, and he showed me the animation, and I was more than happy. I was like, I'd, I'd love to work with him again. It was great. Mm. Wonderful. That's so cool. I did my first voiceover uh, recently as well, and it's definitely a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'd like to do more. I, I had fun with it. So For you've sure. done a variety have of you, in the. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to ask um, him if he's done uh, radio shows. I'm sorry, as uh, in the like the reading the stories out with the script. Oh no, that's Black actually Gordon something uh, I plan to get into in the future. I'm definitely um, definitely contemplating that. You've got the voice where I'd love to hear you do some of that. I've done a few of those, and they are a blast. Yes, yes. I'm looking forward to doing a lot more readings in the future. Great. Wonderful. Yes. So, Don, you've done a variety of work in the entertainment industry, and one of them is voice acting, like you just mentioned. So what's the difference between that and on-screen acting? Um. The best way to put it, when you're on screen, you're conscious of your body movements, you're aware of your facial tics, et cetera, and you're also aware that your voice and your face are only going to match so far. They're going to do so much. When you're voice acting, you no longer have to worry about your presentation of body human. It's just your voice, and you can play with it, and you can become a little girl, or you can drop your voice, or you can, you know, you can. You can affect different accents that may not match what you physically look like. So it's kind of fun to read a script and go, well, how would that person sound? Would they, would they stutter? Would they have a lisp? Would they, would they have a high-pitched voice? You know, how do I want to present this character? And if you're doing it to anime, the challenge is, can I make the words match the mouth? <laughs> Which can be a whole new challenge. Definitely. Well, it's mm-hmm. it's such a highly sought-after career as well. The more I've looked into it and researched it myself, I realize that a lot of working actors would prefer to just be voice actors. I mean, in a way, it's it's fun in a whole different aspect that on-screen acting is different from, and people have not experienced that unless they've done both and seen it like you have. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I have um, to agree Don, with you there. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious, and I know the listeners are curious, if there's anything that you're not on a NDA agreement about that you can talk about, are there any current projects that you're working on that you're allowed to reveal to us? Currently, uh, one of the the projects I'm working on at the moment is uh, called Interfere. And as a matter of fact, Lee Turner, you mentioned him earlier with After Hours Cinema, is part of that. It's filmed okay. through the same studio that puts out After Hours Center, WGUD, 51 The Wave, and Pascagoula. Uh, the gentlemen who own that have started a Roku channel, which is going to launch in October. And they're filming a pilot movie because they're going to open it with a movie of their own, something they've both really wanted to do. Tim, uh, Tim Wall and Hunter Bickham are their names, and they're really passionate about doing a movie and being, broadening their horizons in the entertainment industry. They've spent years learning how to do the different camera angles and everything else. So they, they didn't take this lightly. They went into it with learning knowledge and making sure they had all the skills they needed with the editing and everything else. 
and proper equipment. It's going to be a blast. It's made so it can be broadcast on WGD, so it's PG, but it's also being made for the Fear Flicks. And uh, it's kind of an 80s throwback in a way, a modernization of 80s concept. They have a meteor hitting a tower and interesting sci-fi slash horror effects ensue, including zombies. Oh, uh, okay. So I got to act as a, I got to try on being a little old lady. I'm a terrifying little old lady, by the way. I, I'm really looking forward to scaring the hell out of people when that time comes, because uh, I've got it, I've got it now. But um, I was Mrs. Peabody in that. I'm an extra in a couple of scenes, in, in without makeup, with makeup, stuff like that. But uh, I'm also helping with the special effects makeup itself, helping make the zombies, and that was fun yesterday until about twelve o'clock at night, <laughs> getting latex <laughs> on people. Uh, and finding out just, just what fake blood will not come out of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wow. Well, so we will have to stay tuned for thing. that. That's oh, so yeah. awesome. So, yeah. So what do you want to achieve for the rest of 2020? Uh, well, I think plot number one is survival because 2020 is a horror movie. If you look at it objectively, I mean, come on, we even had more murder hornets and flying spiders. We got the whole stick here. Uh, if, if you think of a horror movie plot, it's probably happening, only you're watching the news. So uh, survival for me and my family, definitely on the top priority, but uh, diversifying would be the secondary priority. I would, I would like to uh, get more out there in different ways. Like, uh, I'm finally going to get to be a zombie for the first time in a movie. That's never happened. Uh, it's only the third time I've been That's in special awesome. effects. I'm learning more. Uh, I'm Later in the year, hopefully, I get to be a prisoner in another movie that is being filmed in Louisiana. Uh, one that I was a, uh, a police officer uh, with the same company. I was a police officer's wife for another movie that hasn't come out yet. So I was like, hey, I wasn't a vampire. I was, I was the person being thrown in the car truck. Awesome. So uh, some different diversification. Uh, I, I, if, if anything, I'd like to get into a historical drama or comedy or, you know, a Western, because I haven't done these things. So kind of like to do them. Okay. Awesome. Uh, working well, the film on... industry. Huh? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the film I, I industry is opening you, back up slowly. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting seeing how it's adapting to the changes that are forced upon it by this pandemic. And uh, it's it's everything from budgeting to the way sets are controlled to the ways the phases of people coming in and working on things. It's fascinating yeah. to watch the industry literally adapt to the situation. Yeah, it really is. Well, Don, final question: What kind of difference have you seen in this year that has felt like a paranormal experience to you? Or if you want to elaborate any more on what you just said, because I know you were talking about that. <laughs> well. It it is an odd feeling. I mean, it's it's literally a case of I don't know if it's foreboding from watching the news or the odd quietness that's on the streets. But as far as paranormal, it's everything's a pattern. Everything is a pattern, and uh, feels like I'm starting to finally understand the history of the Red Summer of 1917. 
and what some of those people must have felt. And it's, it's almost like things are getting stirred up. Um, if you look at metaphysically speaking, we've entered a different quadrant. So the, the, I hate to use this term. I really do, but I'm going to have to. The vibes are different. The way people are reacting to things are different. The way they're perceiving things are different. So it's a, there's a lot of fear in the air. Yeah. And you can almost feel it. A lot of yeah. confusion, a lot of anger, and it's palpable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think another reason people are perceiving more paranormally right now is because if you look around you, where I live is a casino area, for example. It is not quiet. You, two in the morning, you can go to a store normally. You can't right now, but the fact that there's always people around. Heck, the last regular job I had down here was bartending until 6 in the morning. Because And the place is always full. But it's quiet. If I stepped outside my house right now and I'm by the beach, I'm not going to hear the traffic I'm used to hearing. I'm not going to hear the laughter or the music from the bar down the road. I'm hearing quietness. And it's not normal. And that means I can hear and see more. There's less lights on. Businesses aren't lit up. The neon signs aren't lit up. The street lights aren't as lit up because the cities are saving money. So there's less, I hate to say, human interference with what can be measured or perceived right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we wow. Well, thank you for sharing. Yes. I just wanted to let you know we did reach the end of the program, and I wanted to say thank you so much for calling in and sharing your story with DPR. I am very, very happy that you have um, called in. And I want to say a big shout-out and a thank you to Mr. Lee Turner for bringing you to GPR. I'm very, 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 very pleased that he, that, uh, he suggested you and, and we, we brought you on. And if those of you that are out there listening, you can also find GPR on every podcast platform there is from Apple Podcasts. You can find it also on Apple Music. You can find it also on um, Google and you can find it on uh, Pandora, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are accessible, including iHeart.com. And uh, please be sure to tune in next week, uh, along with Pete Pitts, as we bring in another wonderful mystery guest on the show. So thank you all so much for tuning in, and thank you to Ms. Dawn DeVerger, and of course to my, co- my wonderful co-host, Pete Pitts. And we are on our way out. This is the Gypsy Poet signing off, saying adios for now. Anybody else have anything to say? Thanks. Thank you for having me. Goodbye, and thank you. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right. (laughs) Thank you. It was great talking to you guys. Yes. Thank you so much. Ideal for now, guys. Tune in next week.